want to draw your attention now to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and following. The basic theme of this passage is this. Just keep talking, just keep going. Okay, so the basic theme, I can't talk when you're doing it. it? We're good? Don't, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll just finagle with it. All right, so the basic theme of the passage that we're considering here this morning is this. Spiritual formation. Christ being formed in us begins very simply by sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? We're going to look at that this morning. All right, Luke 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing, just one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is such a, a, you know, the story that we dealt with last Sunday is like this story. It's a very simple story. So again, whether you have been in the Christian faith for a long time, or whether you're rather new to the Christian faith, it really doesn't matter. You should be able to understand not only what's going on in this passage, and you should be able to understand what I'm preaching on this morning. We have two sisters before us, Mary and Martha. And of course, there's Jesus. I'm going to put Jesus to the side for just a moment, although he figures an essential way, of course, in this story. But but I want to begin with Mary and Martha, and I want you to wrestle with this question this morning. It's a very simple question. Am I more like Martha, or am I more like Mary? Think about that while I'm preaching. Wrestle with that And hopefully, you're going to come down on the side of one over the other. Okay? Now, enough said. Let's get right into the story. Three major characters in the story. Jesus, Mary, Martha. Mary and Martha, as I noted, are sisters. It's likely that Martha was the older sister Mary, the younger sister, and they also had a brother named Lazarus. So if you're somewhat familiar with the Bible, you probably knew that already, and if you're somewhat familiar with the Bible, the word or the name Lazarus should ring a bell. Lazarus was the one who Jesus raised from the dead. We read about that in the Gospel of John. In fact, it's a very fascinating story, and if you are not familiar with it, you will find it in the fourth book of the Bible, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. It is the most extensive record or story of a person's resurrection in all of the Bible, a moving story, a compelling story. So, you have Mary, Martha, the brother Lazarus. Lazarus does not figure in this story. Both Mary and Martha love Jesus. Both Mary and Martha desire to serve Jesus. 
But here's the thing, they do it in different ways according to their temperament and their personalities. So Martha being, well, the older sister, and sometimes you find this with oldest sisters, she tends to be very responsible, she's detailed orientated, she is aggressive, she's hands-on, she's more the extrovert. She's the one who works in the kitchen. She's the one who invites Jesus over for hospitality. I'm going to serve him. She's working in the kitchen, getting things ready. That's Martha. Mary is the younger sister. Mary is different from her sister Martha. She seems to be a bit more, not less extroverted, she's more introvertish. That means, kids, that when we say she's, intro, she's an introvert, that she kind of tends to go in on herself. She's more quiet. She's more contemplative. She's... She's the one who's actually not working with Martha, which kind of ticks Martha off, but she's the one who is taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. Both love Jesus, that's the point. Both want to serve Jesus, but they do it in different ways. And what Jesus, listen closely to this, it's a simple point, but Jesus is making the point that there are times in our lives where one form of love and service needs to take precedence over the other, is more important than the other, okay? Now, listen to the story again. They went on their way, and Jesus entered a village, and a woman named, here's Martha, welcomed him into her house. It wasn't Mary, it was Martha, right? She's aggressive. She's the one who desires to show hospitality to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus. Now she complains. Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Come on, tell her to help me, please. But the Lord answered her, and it probably was not the answer that Martha was expecting. Martha, Martha, mentions her name two times to get her attention. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you're troubled. You're all worked up about so many things, but really only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen it. Martha busy in the kitchen. Martha preparing food. Martha getting ready to serve Jesus. She's working in the kitchen, wondering, where is my younger sister? You ever run into that in your family, right? You have a number of kids got a couple kids, you give them chores. What usually happens? One kid you know, takes care of the chores, maybe somewhat dutifully, and the other kid's just hanging out, doing nothing. And what do you get? Mom, tell so-and-so to help me, right? This is, in a sense, what's going on with Martha. Come on, please, Lord, tell Mary to help me. And you know what? There's something in us, I think, that can I kind of identify with Martha. It's like, yeah, Mary, what are you doing? You're just sitting there. Jesus is in your house. Come on, help your sister, and you can talk later. But Mary quiets herself, and try to picture that in, her, in your mind. She's just sitting there, at the feet of Jesus, not saying a thing. She's just, just listening, just listening to him. You know, sometimes the simple stories, the simplest stories in the Bible are some of the most profound, I find. And when you read a story like this, you've got to read it really slowly, and you've got you to work your imagination. You've got you to picture all of this of what's going on in your mind. And as you meditate, as you reflect on this, you begin to see that Jesus is making a simple, but it's a really valid and it's a really important point. And that is, 
you and I can be involved in a lot of things in our lives that can keep us from taking the time to sit at the feet of Jesus. But I'm going to go one step further that you're probably not thinking about. You and I can be involved in many good things that contribute to the kingdom of God while at the same time not sitting before Jesus and taking time to listen to him. Think about a number of the good things that we do. Maybe that you do. It's good to help out at Pathway. It's good to set up the sound system. It's good to set up the chairs. It's good to be a part of the ministry here in some fashion. It's good to be a part of a care group. It's good to be good parents to children. It's good for kids to respect mom and dad. May not always agree with them, but to respect mom and dad because God gave them to you. You know, it's good to come alongside of somebody, put your arm around them, let them cry on your shoulder a little bit, people who are in need. Those are all good things. It's good to serve on a school board. It's good to contribute to the kingdom of God in many, many different ways. But many of these good things can somewhat turn into bad things if they prevent us from carving out time to sit at the feet of Christ. Are you facing that right now? What are your distractions now? And they may even be good distractions. What Jesus is warning us against somewhat here is against activistic Christianity. We need to be active in the kingdom of God, no doubt about that. But sometimes our activism can take precedence over the time that we need to simply stop and sit at Christ's feet. And this is exactly what Jesus is rebuking Martha for. He said, Martha, Martha, come on. You're so anxious. And you're so worried about all these things. And getting the proper food out. And getting the service out and all of that. But there's really only one thing that's necessary. Mary has chosen it. Moral of the story is this. Spiritual formation begins with intentionality. You've got to be intentional if you're going to carve out time for Jesus. And you get what Jesus is saying here. Ultimately, he's saying, you know what? I don't need all your good work. I don't need all your accomplishments. I don't need you to be doing this and that and, the ever, and, and, and everything else, even though it may be good. He's saying, I need you. I need you. And I need you to need me. Martha didn't get it. Martha lived for the moment, but she wasn't living for Christ at this point. Mary did. Look at Mary. Again, simple story, but, but play around with the wording here and stretch it out a little bit. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and she listened to him. She didn't say anything, so I want you to, to notice her posture. Sometimes, remember the, the posture of, of the tax gatherer that we looked at last week? It was telling. Mary's posture is also telling. Mary's posture, kids, by posture, I mean the way that she uses her body. Notice, she is, she's, her, her posture is, is, a, is a posture of humility. She's not standing over Jesus. She's not standing looking straight in his eye. She sits quietly at his feet. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of intimacy. 
He's not talking to Jesus from afar. She gets right up to him. She wants to be near him. She sits at his feet. It's a posture not only of intimacy, but intentionality. She intentionally, she's not being lazy here. She intentionally is not with her sister in the kitchen. Why? Man, because Jesus is in her home. Probably he's figuring, I don't know how long we have him. So she, she, she gets out of the kitchen and she sits at the feet of Jesus. And it's also a position or a posture of receptivity. She's receiving. She's receiving. She's not discussing. Notice, there's none of that. She's not discussing. She's not debating Jesus. She's just listening to him. Absorbing him. Absorbing him. That's the character of Mary. Hmm. Now, think about this. What happens if we don't take time and carve out that time to be with Jesus? What's the fallout? Let me give you an example of one fallout, and it relates not, only to, an, it relates not to an individual so much as a church. If you're familiar somewhat with the Bibles, you know that the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3, toward the beginning of the book, Jesus is addressing seven churches that are a reflection of the, the, the church of various churches throughout the history of Christendom. And there's one church called the Church of Ephesus. And it's in Ephesus, Greece at the time. And so... Jesus is speaking to Ephesus, and he's saying, you know what, Church of Ephesus, you got some things going for you. You're strong in doctrine, you're strong in discipline, and you're strong in determination, the determination to keep faithful to me in the midst of great persecution. These are good things. These are hallmarks, many of them are what we call a true, genuine church of Jesus Christ. They are a reflection of many conservative churches today. Jesus is good. You got doctrine, you got determination, you got discipline. But, he says, I have this one thing against you. Remember what he says? You have lost your first love. Presumably, a love for Jesus. We as individuals, or we as a church can have many, many good things. We can be sound in our doctrine. We can be sound in our discipline. We can be sound in our determination moving forward in the midst of what Peter calls a wicked and perverse world. We can have all these things in place. But you know what? These should never overtake a fundamental love for Christ. You can have all those important things and you can call yourself a true church and yet you can be very distant from the person of Christ. Does that ring a bell for some of us? Maybe in terms of our church experience or our own personal experience? Get your priorities in order, says Jesus. I come first. I come first. Knit your heart to me. And the rest of these things will flow forth from that. Again, you can be so right and yet you can be so wrong. Mary gets it. Mary gets it. Mary's first priority was to sit at the feet of Jesus. So, 
I want to start drawing to a close here, and I want you to ask yourself the question, what happens when we do take that time to sit at the feet of Jesus? And by the way, that's what we do in our care groups. That's why the care groups are so important, and that's why we say, we even go so far in the leadership of this church that says, if you're going to join Pathway, you're going to be part of this congregation, care groups are not an option. They're, they're, they're mandatory. And it's not because we're a legalistic church, because we realize the importance of being together midweek, even if it's every other week, so that we together may sit at the feet of Jesus. What happens when we take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus? I want to leave you with three things, three R's. First of all, being at the feet of Jesus is a place of reorientation. It's a place where we get centered. That in the midst, as I already talked about this, I'm not going to take time with this, but in the midst of all the distractions and all the anxieties and all the worries of life, when we take time to sit at the feet of Jesus, this is what goes on. You got, you got this. You know, I was, I was taking a walk last night on a country road, and every once in a while you take the walk and you get all these bugs flying around your head. That's what anxieties are like, you know, and you're swatting them like this, you know. Jesus said, in the midst of all of this, Jesus says, Center in, center in, and carve out that time, because you're going to die if you don't. Sit at my feet. The feet of Jesus is a place of reorientation. It is a place of centering. It's a place that provides focus for, for everything else that we do in life and everything that we face in life. The feet of Jesus is not only a place of reorientation, it's a place of revelation. It's a place of insight. It's a place of clarity. It's a place of, of direction. How many of us are not facing things in our life periodically where we go, what am I going to do? What direction should I go? What should I do in this particular situation? What decision should I make? Some of you may be here this morning and go, what about this thing about what is the Christian faith? What about Jesus, the Son of God? Is he the Son of God? How do I know? How do I know that when I'm sitting here and when I'm listening to this, how do I know it's not just a bunch of garbage? How do I know it's just not a bunch of bunk and these people are all being misled? I mean, we, we face all kinds of questions. And Jesus says, settle down. Settle down. Sit at my feet. Search the scriptures. Open your Bibles. Pray a simple prayer to me. Ask me for my leading. It's a place of revelation and clarity and direction. I'll give you a quick example of that. Some of you may have heard of the name Francis Schaeffer. Francis Schaeffer was a pastor. He was a teacher. He was an apologist. That means he was a defender and promoter of the Christian faith. And he's perhaps most well known for starting a ministry called Labrie in Switzerland. His wife's name was Edith. And in the early 50s, 1950s, they started this ministry together in the providence of God, in God's orchestration. They bought this beautiful Swiss chalet, and they used it for ministry. That's what Joy and I want to do with our home. Really, we want to be a little mini Labrie. As well as a place for ministering to you all. And Francis Schaeffer... And his wife ministered to beatniks. You ever hear that term, beatniks? A beatnik was, was the, the, the term that came before hippie in the 1960s and 70s. Beatniks came about in the mid to late 50s. Anyway, 
These were individuals in Europe who did not know their left hand or their right, or from their right hand when it came to things relating to God. They just didn't know. And, and Europe was devastated, as many of you know, after World War II, and people were searching. So they set, set up this ministry, and they ministered to these individuals. Well, there was a point, not many people know this, but there was a point when Francis Schaeffer, I believe he was in his early 40s, he had been part of churches that very caustic, they were very acidic. They were, they, he said that they, they were always, there was a lot of infighting, and they viewed themselves as, as very different from other Christians around them, and there was tension, and he said there was a lot of lovelessness in the churches at that time, and he, he found that it started to affect him personally to the point where he was questioning his own faith, and so he said to his wife, Edith, he said, Edith, I need to go to the top of the chalet, and I need to be there on my own, and I need to be there for many, many days, because I have to figure this out, and I don't know what end I'm going to come out on, whether I will be a believer in Christ or I will not. This is a pastor saying this. And so what he did, in short, is he, he started reading the Bible in earnest. And he, he prayed fervently to the Lord. He took time to sit at the feet of Jesus. And over time, the Lord in his word and through prayer spoke to his heart. And he came out on a better end. He said, this is all true. And he went on to minister for many years. And there were many people who came to Labrie in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s who were converted. And many of them are very powerful Christian leaders today. Some of you may have heard of Oz Guinness. He was converted to Labrie. The feet of Jesus is a place of reorientation. It is a place of direction. It is a place of revelation. And I'll leave you with this. It is also a place of rejuvenation. You're tired. You're weary. You're struggling. Either with your own sin or sins that have been committed against you. Or you're dry. You feel like a corn husk that's been drying in the sun for many, many days. You sit at the feet of Jesus. He gives you new life. feeds you someone who is dry hear that like a steady rain like a steady rain remember there was a, a woman in the bible the bible says she had an issue of blood for 12 years it never explains what that is but when you lose a lot of blood on a regular basis you're very very weak and she was very very weak she spent all her money on doctors, and they could not help her. And so in desperation, she says, I need to meet Jesus. So she went to Jesus one day, and he was surrounded by crowds of people, probably hundreds. And they're all pressing against Jesus. And she says to herself, if I only can touch him, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, kid, that means if I can only, if I can only get to the, to the very edge of what he's wearing, this robe that he's wearing, I will be healed. So she starts working through the crowd to get to Jesus. You know, it's kind of like a rock concert. And finally she, get, she gets to the point of reaching Jesus. She gets to where Jesus is at. And what does she do? She reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus says, who touched me? Who touched me? And his disciples are like, what do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's pressing against you. 
He says, Jesus, no. No, because Jesus knew the heart of faith and need. He says, no, somebody touched me. Because power has gone forth from me. It's very interesting. I know somebody touched me because power has gone forth from me. And the woman by faith was healed. That's what happens when you come to the feet of Jesus. And in a sense, what you do is you take time to touch the hem of his garment and listen to him. Power goes forth from him to you to rejuvenate you. That is, to give you new life so that you can serve him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Simple story, isn't it? You had a very profound story. So, are you like Martha? Are you here this morning and you say, you know, I've got to be honest with you, I'm actually more like Martha right now. Then become a Mary. Take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Remember Jesus' words, Martha, Martha, man, you're so anxious, you're so worried and distracted by so many things. But Jesus says, but just if you go away with anything this morning, just remember that phrase. But only one thing is really necessary. And Mary has captured it. She's embraced it. And in the end, it will be a blessing to her. May we be blessed as we take that necessary time to sit at the feet of Jesus today in the coming week, especially during the time of our care group sessions, discussions, prayer time, and community. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, it's a simple prayer that we offer you now. Simply help us to be like Mary. And Lord Jesus, as power went forth from you to that woman who had been suffering for 12 years, so we pray that your power and your love and your truth may soak in us like the steady rain that we hear on the roof of this gym. God, grant it, we pray, for we need you, Lord Jesus. We need you above all else. Knit our hearts toward you, we pray. In your name, Lord Jesus, in your name alone. Amen.